So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. Uh, We've got a great show for you today. We have someone that you're going to really need to know and pay attention to because he has a way of keeping you out of the popo. Um, (laughs) This is Mauricio Raul. He's been doing law. How long have you been doing law for, Mauricio? I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. Oh my gosh, just just a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Um, he does securities law, and he is my private placement lawyer. He does a lot more than just that. His job is really to help like guide you through the process of syndication. And if you don't have an attorney, or if you're thinking about, if you don't have a great one, I highly recommend that you pay attention to this show because we're going to go over a lot of information and um, and really kind of get down into the crux of what it is holistically. And then, you know, when do you actually engage someone like Mauricio? So Mauricio, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me back, Corey. Looking forward to it. Oh, and by the way, did I plug that you do all my uh, PPMs? <laughs> I do do all your PPMs and I do a lot more, but yeah, we definitely do all your PPMs. <laughs> so uh, that's who I use. So if you, if you're, if you don't use Mauricio, you're an idiot. <laughs> did I just say that? <laughs> That's my shameless plug, brother. You've always been so kind to me, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Just always try to add There's only one way to give a referral and give one like you mean it, right? And if you don't mean it, don't have him on your show as a guest. Love it, man. Love it. Looking forward to, uh, we had a great, I think the last time we were on, you just started the podcast. I think it's episode 10. It's almost two years ago, brother. That was like two years ago. Yeah, we've been, so, we've been going uh, strong, man. Is this now? Well, I won't put you on the spot. It's it's, it's many many episodes later. So uh, looking forward to uh, to doing this again, man. Yeah. So let's talk about what Mauricio does. You know, fifty thousand feet. Like, give everybody an idea of what the hell does a lawyer like you do, and um, you just give some. You know, yeah. Yeah. Tell, give me the how to what to. I keep you out of jail. You know, we were at that we were at that event right a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were together at the booth, and we were kind of kidding around that you know Corey can show you how to raise all the money, and uh, Marisa will make sure you stay out of jail. But yeah, so so as a reminder, anytime you're raising money from other people, right there, when you have passive investors in your deal, you are selling the security. People don't really realize that. People are like, you know, why why is the SEC even involved? I'm just buying a piece of property. I'm buying real estate. Why the hell is the, is the real estate? I'm sorry. Why is the SEC involved? And the reason is their definition of a security is really broad. So it's not just stocks and bonds and mutual funds and all that stuff that we kind of associate as a, as a security, but it includes basically anytime you take money from somebody, you know, where the profits are being generated from your efforts, that's kind of the catch-all. You're dealing with the security. So it can be a joint venture agreement, it can be a TIC agreement, it could be a handshake, a high five. The structure itself doesn't matter. If you have passive investors, essentially you are going to be 
issuing a security, which is why the Securities and Exchange Commission is involved in the first place. And so my job is primarily to make sure that when you are raising money, you're doing it in full compliance with primarily federal law. This is primarily a federal law issue, which is why I get to do it all over the country and all over the world. Actually, I got a lot of international clients who are raising money for their projects, you know, Nicaragua and Panama and Belize and some Asian countries. And uh, there are still, you know, we can't ignore the states. The states are still there and we've got to, you know, I got to give them a little bit of love. But uh, we basically don't really need to comply with the state securities laws other than, you know, the anti-fraud provisions. I mean, you still can't, you know, if you engage in fraud, if you if you try and emulate Bernie Madoff, the states are going to get involved. But assuming you're not defrauding people and you're not going crazy, uh, we really focus on the federal level. And, and that's what I do. I make sure you you, you just make, they'll help you navigate that that world, which can get a little complicated. Uh, people think it's simple and I just need PPM docs or whatever. And I keep reminding people it's so much more than that. And my job is just to try and make that easier to understand so that you don't get overwhelmed. And, and really, my job is to make sure you get to do what you do best, which is you're the quarterback of the deal. And you're the, I'm just one piece, right? I'm the legal piece of your overall syndication puzzle. And I just make sure that that piece is as easy as it can be for you so you can focus on, you know, your, your underwriting, your due diligence, your all the other stuff you've got to worry about. It really is a it is a piece of the puzzle. And I think that's a great way to describe what a real estate deal looks like. It is pieces of the puzzle that you put together and you get all the right people involved to make a deal come through. But raising money um, and your syndication attorney is a big piece of the puzzle. And because there's right ways and wrong ways. And, and, you know, Mauricio, I love your uh, thing of practicing safe syndication. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that concept. And I love that, um, you know, the talk that you do on that. So can we, you know, let's go over some of the bullet points of what that is and and what that entails. Yeah, I'll just be, you know, we'll give you the kind of the the 50,000 foot overview. Um, You know, once we figured out and we realized that we're issuing securities, which is what we're doing when we're raising money, then I always say there's three things we worry about. We either need to register that security or register that syndication with the SEC, or we need to find an exemption to registration, or number three, it's illegal. You know, it's that that simple, right? And obviously, we don't want to engage in any illegal activity. So I usually don't spend too much time on that, but I, I do want to stress that it's not it's not just all Bernie Madoff stuff. I mean, we kind of joke about that, and, and obviously, people aren't hopefully people aren't, you know, out there looking to swindle their investors and defraud them. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. But, you know, if you're if you're not giving them the proper disclosures, if you're kind of getting a little carried away with your returns, I mean, there's things that you can do to make an, an offer illegal. One of the things that we've been talking a lot about lately, and we can get into it later if you want to, but, you know, people are on social media, for example, you know, blasting their their deals or, you know, conditioning the market and getting people excited, which is, it would, would, would violate some of these rules, which would make it illegal. So, but illegal is one of them, right? So we don't, we don't want to do anything illegal. We don't want to register a syndication either with the SEC because that's just, a, and when I say register, I really mean a full-blown registration. That's going to take a couple years. It's going to take six. That's like saying you're going to go public, right? Yeah, so like, like so, so people understand what that means. That's like saying Facebook, when Facebook went IPO'd, that's a full registration. Right. Right. And it's just going to take a lot of time and a lot of money. And if you're in a contract to buy a building and you've got 90 days to close or whatever, you don't have time to go spend two years dealing with the SEC and getting your deal approved. So it's not really applicable for us, especially us uh, real estate investors. So we're kind of left with number two, which is really where I live day to day. And this is all I, I do. I spend 100 percent of my time working on, on syndications and, and we, we, we focus on the exemptions and as you know, Corey, there, luckily there's a couple of exemptions that you know 90 to 95 percent of the people use because they're just 
there's a couple of reasons why they're just great exemptions. And, and these are the, the reg D exemptions that you've probably heard of before. And, and specifically, and this is as technical as we'll get on today's podcast, uh, the rule 506B and 506C, B is in Boise, C is in Charlie. Those are the two exemptions that most 95%, I would say 90 to 95% of the people use. And the reason we use them, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but the reason they're so popular and people use them is really two reasons. Number one, they're what we call a safe harbor, which means if we comply with all these bullet points, we are assured of complying with the SEC. We don't have any guesswork. It's like you, you hit these bullet points, you're, you're good. Right? So that's always certainty is always good. And then the other reason is it preempts state law. And, and preemption is just a, a fancy way of saying we don't have to worry about the states, as we kind of talked about earlier. Uh, again, anti-fraud provisions, we still got to worry about it, but we don't worry about the state. So think about it. If you did have to worry about the state, or so there are some exemptions that are not preempted, then you'd have to hire me as your federal attorney. And then you have to go to every single state that you sell into, hire a local securities attorney and comply with each state securities laws and pay each state securities laws attorney. You're going to end up with like a team of lawyers and it just gets expensive and complicated. And, and why deal with that when you've got these great exemptions that preempt all that? Exactly. It's just going to be a whole bullet mess of, of money and time, wasted time, effort, right? That's right. Right. And so I'll spend two minutes on this because I know uh, I know we wanted to discuss some other stuff. But, you know, 506B, which within those two that we talked about is probably even even within those two, I think the last statistic I saw was like 90% of people who use Reg D use 506B over 506C, which is a little surprising. But 506B essentially allows you to raise an unlimited amount of money and allows you to accept up to 35 non-accredited investors, as long as they're sophisticated, but non-accredited investors, meaning if you don't have a million dollars in net worth or you know, excluding your primary residence, then you can invest. Or if you don't make $200,000 a year for the last couple of years, you can invest. So that's appealing to a lot of people, especially when they're starting off. And the big, the big no-no with the 506B and the biggest limitation is simply you just can't advertise, right? You can't go out on Facebook, for example, and pitch your deal. You can't go on conferences. You can't go on podcasts. You basically can't advertise, and and that's one of the big limitations, which is why now we have 506C, which is the other exemption that some people rely on, and where you can advertise, and that's kind of the beauty of that one. It's basically the same exemption that now allows you to advertise, and the only limitation you really have is you can only accept accredited investors over there. So if you're going to do 506C, knock yourself out, go on Facebook, pitch your deal, go on podcast, do whatever you want. But just know you can only accept accredited investors and you must take reasonable steps to verify that they are accredited. So you can't just take their word for it. So here's my take on that, Mauricio. So like I've been, you know, I always so because every attorney's like even, you know, I just hear you say it's like, I don't know why people just don't do 506C. And because in theory, it sounds great. I can just advertise for my deal. But the problem is, is you're chasing the 10% of accredited investors in the country, which is the same 10% everybody else is chasing. And what happens is that money is very sophisticated, right? That's Now I'm saying this, this is just my opinion, okay? Um, because like, so we raise, and, and you helped me do this, so we'll, t- we'll talk about my structure a little bit. Because um, we, we, I came up with Mauricio and said, hey, listen, Mauricio, I want to do a, a type of PPM. And here's the great thing about what, if you have a good attorney, a lot of times you got to ask the right questions. Like, hey, can I do this? Or how can I set this up if I want to do this and this? And so the question I asked Mauricio was, hey, I want to pay a 6% pref, but I don't want to give away the back end. I just want to make it another 6%. And so he's like, okay, well, we can do that. And like, here's how I think we're going to structure it. And so that we figured out a way. 
but so I'm raising um, uh, capital at 12%, which is fairly, I'm learning in the industry, that's a big wow. It's actually a big wow. Because every time yeah. I go to something, they're like, do what? How are you doing that again? No, you can't do that. Like, wait, how much did you raise last year? And when I tell them, you know, we raised like 15 mil, then they, they're opening their eyes. Oh, well, how are you doing that? Because, and truly, it's, even though most of my investors, I would say, 85% of our investors are accredited, Mauricio, yeah. right? The way we go about it is totally different and, and conversations that we have are totally different. Yeah. And um, so, but it's more about education and and getting to know your investor more so than it is marketing. And I think that's why most people, at the end of the day, people don't buy a deal because you can throw it on an ad on Facebook. They invest in your deal because they know you, like you, and trust you. Right. Right. And that's the slow game. And so if you're if you're going to go in the slow game, you might, in my opinion, then you should just do a 506B anyways, because it's all about relationship based. Right. And having sub- substantive relationships with people, as yeah. Mauricio would say. That's such a great point, because a lot of people, I think, have it backwards. So I want to stress the point you just mentioned. It is a long game, as you put it. Um, a lot of people who especially who are getting into this, you know, they tie up a deal and they're like, okay, now I got to go raise the money to go close this thing. And you don't realize that people like you who do this well, you're constantly cultivating your investor list. You're always talking to them. You're always adding value to them. You're always picking up the phone. You're always talking to them so that when you do have a deal, it's not like the first time they've heard from you, you know, or even know who you are. You've been cultivating, you've been farming for all these years so that when it is time to go raise money, you have access to, to capital as opposed to a lot of people do it backwards and they, they, they go out hunting because it's like they, they've got to close a deal. i got to go raise a million bucks. Where do I get it? Oh, crap, I can only raise 300 from my list. Let me go, you know, how do I find the other 700? And they freak out. But, you know, it's, a, it's an ongoing process that you have to continually work at. Even you got to farm it. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, I think when you don't have a deal, arguably that's when you, you're more effective because the person you're talking to doesn't worry about, oh, when, you know, when's the pitch going to come? When are they going to ask me for money? You just tell them up front, look, I don't have a deal going on right now. So I'm just trying to find out what do you need? It's all about them, right? Or what, what, what kind of returns are you looking for? Are you more interested in equity debt? You know, are you looking for tax mitigation? Like, what do you want so that I can think of you? If I find a deal, I can come to you with that particular deal, or I can, you know, go hunting for a deal that meets your specific needs. Right. And here's my process, right? So here's my company. Here's what we do. Good. And I think lots of people, when they, when you start having those conversations, what I find is that the people respond to that way better. It's not hard sell, and it's really all about relationships. So the more you can create relationships in this business, I think the better off you are um, regardless. All right, so let's keep going. So there's 506C, 506B, and there's a couple more points, I think, to your to the big picture, right? Or is that it? Yeah, that's basically, I mean, there's another exemption that people are starting to talk about a little bit more, uh, which is this Reg A+. Um, but frankly, unless you're doing some kind of a fund, uh, it's a little bit difficult because even though it doesn't take as long to get through the system, you still have to do what we kind of call it a mini IPO, a mini registration. You still have the government involved. Anytime you have the government involved, it takes a, a little bit of time. So it doesn't take two years, but it's probably going to take about six months and so, again, if you've got to close escrow in three months, you know, 90 days or 60 days or whatever, you don't have you don't have six months to wait around for that. So it really helps. You know, if you're a, if you're a startup company and you're, you know, you're raising capital for your company, that might be something. But if you're a real estate investor with hard deadlines, 
it's a little bit hard to do the reggae, which is again why ninety five percent of people are using the reggae. Yeah, and if you do the reggae, it's really for like if you're going to create a fund, like where you're not, uh, you know, the the one the reason I love what we do now, Mauricio, is it's really about finding a specific deal right. and doing a specific private placement right. um, for that deal. Yes. And, um, uh, you know, I, personally, I think it creates a, a way for you to not, you know, the, the problem if you create a fund, you go raise, you know, 30 million bucks, you got to put 30 million bucks to work and you may not have a deal. Right. And, and if you don't, are you going to, because you have the money, a compromise? Right. Right. Are you going to buy something you probably, ah, you know, and so you, you, I think sometimes the potential of judgment to get swayed is more prevalent. And, than, that's, what, and that's typically what happens. I mean, you know, that's I, Wall Street. I hang. Yeah. I mean, I hang out with a lot of smart people. And, and that's what typically happens in real estate. You get these huge funds and typically they're pension funds. And they need to place that money. They've got the money, you know, sitting there earning. They've got to put it to work. And so they're happy with 2 or 3% return sometimes because, number one, the, the only way they get paid is on their management fees. But they need to place it. They can't just have it sitting there without anywhere to go. And these guys have a huge amount of money. So, yeah, that's one of the issues. And then the other issue is, yeah, what, what, when you have the money in the fund, it's not earning a return. What are you giving your investors? Are you just telling them, look, you're going to have no return potentially for six months while the money's in the thing? Or do you have to somehow create a return for them in the interim and, and give them a four or 5% while you're holding it, which, you know, obviously that's another cost of your fund. So funds are great. So I don't want to, I don't want to knock the funds, but it is a completely different model. It just, it, just to be clear, you're raising the money without knowing what you're going to buy it with. And so from an invest, from a passive investor standpoint, you're really betting on the jockey. In this case, I'm betting on Corey that he knows what he's doing, which obviously this one is a good one, but you're betting on Corey as opposed to the property. Cause you don't know what the property is. What Corey does most of the time what we do is we, we're, we're, we're identifying a property, we're getting it a contract. So now I can talk about the property itself. And as an investor, I can make my own assumptions. I can do my own due diligence on the property. Obviously, Corey's a big piece of that. And I've got to have trust and faith in Corey. But I can also, I can challenge Corey. I can be like, yeah, you know, you've got this assumption. You're assuming, you know, 2% rents. I'm going to assume 1% rents and, and see what the numbers look like. Or you're assuming you're going to get this increase. And I'm going to assume a little bit more conservative. So you can mess with things when a fund, you can't do any of that. Right, exactly. So, okay, so with that said, so let's think about the timeline. So we just did a podcast on timeline. It was called The Juice Was Worth the Squeeze. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about the timelines of, like, when do you get involved with, uh, you know, someone like Mauricio, a uh, syndication attorney? Yeah. And I'll let you answer that question. When do you think, like, so if you're new, like, you've never done a syndication and you don't have any idea of what you're doing. What what would that look like? And what I mean, obviously, you've got something built to handle because because they're going to need a lot more handholding in the beginning yeah. than yeah. someone that's already done um, right. syndications and just looking to make a change with a good lawyer, right? right? So call me now. <laughs> no, you know, you know, if you'd asked me this question about a month ago, I'll be totally transparent here. If you'd asked me a month ago, and I think this is the answer that most lawyers will give you, uh, usually I would say, you know, I get involved at the LOI stage is what I would usually tell you. Once you've identified a property, then we can have a discussion about the property itself. It may not be tied up, but you really have a property package. We know approximately how much we're raising. We can start. We can start doing some damage at that point. If you don't have a property yet, we're just talking, you know, hypothetical. So typically, I would have said, "Call me when the LOI is done." But what I've noticed is a lot of people want help before that stage while they're still looking. So people want to have, for example, they want to set up their entities, which is a smart thing to do. 
right? They want to create their, their management company. They want to have business cards. They want to set up a website, all these pre syndication things for a first time. And they want, you know, Mauricio to look over the website and say, Hey, is this compliant? Right. So that's, so a lot of the services that we provide in our, I'm going to call it the official engagement would include things like a, a website review, right? I do a little video and it's about a four or five minute video of your website kind of going through page by page and just kind of pointing out things that I think, assuming you're relying on an exemption that doesn't allow advertising that maybe is crossing the line and you should eliminate. Same with social media review. People are on social media. So I, I do a social media review. I, I'm an asset protection attorney as well. So I typically do asset protection services for my clients. So that's something some people want to do on the front end. A lot of people want to do it on the back end, but some people do. And then people, you know, people want templates, for example. So I, I, I put together these sort of the, the best of the best, in my, in my opinion, of what a, a really good template looks like for putting together your business plan. And I also, you know, people want to pick my brain for a half hour, 45 minutes or an hour. And uh, before they, you know, they shell out the big bucks for the PPM. So, so now I kind of say, if you want any of those services, then then certainly reach out to your attorney or reach out to somebody even before the LOI, because there are things we can do if you're interested uh, to get started before it. Right, and I think that's a good point to make because you know the biggest for new people and the, dude, there's a lot of new investors coming into the marketplace, yeah. and you know they're listening to podcasts like mine, uh, you know Michael Blanc's, Adam Adams. Uh, you know, uh, Rod Khalif, um, and a lot of the, you know, those guys are, are really good podcasters and we're giving out really good information. Yep. Um, and, and we also, a lot of us have, you know, education products, right? So, and right now the buzzword is, in my opinion, multifamily. And why is it? Because we've been in a season of fix and flip for a long time since the downturn and it's getting actually harder and harder for them to find deals in the, in the single family world, I believe. And really, even the ones that are super successful, they've been doing it for so long now that they're, I think they're tired of the grind of the consistency of having to hunt where, you know, the rental business, like when you get into, you've got over, you know, 2000 doors. I mean, life gets pretty good. <laughs> life gets pretty good <laughs> where you have this wonderful world, uh, word called cash flow. Right. And, um, you know, cash flow moves mountains. Right. It's like, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, look at my picture, my son sets a palm trees picture in the back. Um, that's what I think a lot of people are, want. But to get there, you have to have the right structure and documents and even an entity structure, right? Yeah. Um, that's a big thing. Like, how are your partners control? What happens if you die? That kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, and I, and I just, just doing one today, I was reviewing prior deals and, you know, people are still, again, if you, if you don't do asset protection, you don't really understand some of these things, but, you know, people still combining, you know, your, your operating companies, your management companies, you know, the, all the sponsors along with holding the asset in those companies, which is something you don't want to do. You want to always segregate the liability entities, which is your operating companies from your asset holding companies and people mix those together so that when there is a lawsuit, they have all these assets exposed when there's really no need for that. You could, you could set, separate those assets away from the liability producing entities. So asset protection, it's actually a bigger piece than I thought. It's because, like I said, I used to do asset protection. I don't do it anymore. I only do it for my syndication clients now. But it, it amazes me. Like, I think everybody needs an asset protection review. And so that's why, again, I think in my world, most people like to do it. You know, they're, they're so busy trying to close on the deal. They're like, let's just deal with it afterwards. So a lot of time we do it afterwards. But there are definitely people who are actively looking that would like to, to get that set up on the front end so why not give it to them when you talk about asset protection are you talking about like trusts and all that kind of stuff too or is that what we're talking yeah, about I, 
Yeah. So it, when I say, when you say trust, I, I don't talk living trust because you have a living trust, which is really a, a, an estate planning tool, which I think everybody right. needs to have a, a living trust. But that's just an estate, just avoids probate and makes it easy when you when you get hit by a bus, Corey. Right. You're just talking about like when entity uh, formation. Yeah. I mean, we can do domestic, which is just entity formations, and you know where to set up the LLC. And we're re- in real estate, so it's primarily going to be LLCs. You know, multiple layers. Right. Yeah, if you want to get to a certain level, you, you can certainly Because have. that's what we do. I mean, like, so I think about, like, every deal that we've done, we've had a structure, just what you just said, is yeah. we have multiple LLCs, right? Yeah. So we have, um, yeah. and I and, and where I take my income is just a, like, I'm a shareholder. Yeah. I, have, yeah. Like, I don't I don't control anything yeah. as a shareholder. I just get the profits. Yeah. Um, we, we elect a whole different LLC management company to run the business. And we have on a, there's, I think I, mentioned it the last one i forget what we did last time but uh there's an article that i wrote called uh the eight critical steps to practicing safe syndications and one of them has to do with setting up the entities and so there's a nice little diagram there that kind of maps out hey where can they get that uh they can just email us if they email us at uh team at premierlawgroup.net team at premierlawgroup.net just mention Corey, and then i'll i'll have somebody email it's not nothing fancy it'll just be a straight a straight email back but um, yeah, that's a good report. Gives you kind of the basics of what you should be looking at least from the legal standpoint, right? I'll, I'll leave right. the other stuff up to the experts like you. Right. So now, so because now, I totally agree. And if you've not, if you don't have any uh, asset or uh, uh, syndication attorney, you should take mercy up on what he just said. Like, have that call, set up a time, engage him, um, and get a pre-review. We'll call it like a pre-review to say, am I ready? to kind of open up for business and in, in raising capital. That's that's a really actually a, a great uh, little thing there, Mauricio, because there's so many people that they're nervous as hell. They hear about, like, you can go to the popo, right. or, you know, and so that scares people, the bejesus out of people. Right, yeah. And so what they really want to know is from a legal standpoint, am, am I doing it right, right? Or am I set up correctly to start? Yeah, so we can set up the entities to protect yourself, uh, make sure that if things don't go south, that, you know, again, the recession hits and you know, it may not even be your fault, most likely not your fault, that you, you've got not only your assets here, but your other assets protected. And then the other thing we can talk about, which we, we haven't really talked too much, is that people forget, and I think people get shied away because maybe the cost, but, you know, there's insurance out there, too, and people kind of forget. And when I say insurance, I'm not talking property insurance. It's actually insurance, kind of like E&O insurance where if you get sued by your investors for whatever reason, especially, again, if people are concerned about this, uh, then there are insurance products out there that will cover you, and there's specifics to these uh, to these things. And and you can spread that along. I mean, it's hard when you have one property because then it all gets, you know, basically borne by that company. But if you have, like you, you have, you know, let's say you have multiple deals, you can spread that premium over those 10 deals and, you know, pay for itself. And that way you've got an, an additional layer. Because insurance is always your first layer of defense. You should always right. have insurance. The entity structuring is really your backstop. And for whatever reason, the insurance isn't enough or there's a, a hole in it or if there's an exemption or whatever, you've got something to fall back on, which would be the entity, the entity set up. Right. That's a, that's a good point. You know, because so from my point of view, I've always, I call Mauricio when I'm under LOI, right? When I get a signed LOI, I'm going to have an opening call and say, hey, Mauricio, got a deal potentially coming down the pipe. And I already know what he wants. So this is this is where I want to go with this. The rest of this uh, time that we have is from there. Mercy's like, all right, give me a business plan. Send me your business plan. Yep. And we call it a marketing packet on our side, but he calls it business plan. Yep. It's a, or a pitch deck, right? Yep. Is what yep. a lot of people call it, pitch deck. Yep. And so it's create your pitch deck. Yep. And so once we're under L or like 
assigned LOI, usually there's a two to three week window before uh, you actually get assigned PSA, purchase and sale agreement. Right. That's when you should be really working hard on firming up your pitch deck or your marketing packet or your business plan. Yeah, <laughs> or executive summary. <laughs> or, or executive summary. Whatever it is that you're going to use to give to investors um, as your, t- here's my deal. Yeah. And because, and then Mauricio is going, and this is what he does really well is that helps A, him structure your your private placement. So it allows you to start having those right the right conversations because then from there, then we say, okay, Corey, what are you wanting to do, right? Yeah, so so the first thing, and, and obviously you and I have been working so long together that by the yeah, time- Yeah, maybe I'm missing some steps here, so you fill yeah. in the, fill no, in the color here, bro. When you give me a business plan, it, it, you know, we've worked together so long, it's, it, it's pretty, it's in pretty good shape, but especially if it's a first person I've worked with, like we spent a ton of time on that business plan, I think more than most people, and that's kind of one of the big value adds that I think I provide more than anybody else. We do a deep dive, and so I will underwrite your business plan. I'll go through that thing line by line. I'll have a thousand questions, a thousand comments. We'll get on the phone. We'll go through those. That's usually our first call. Sometime, I mean, the one I did today was like over an hour long. Uh, and then uh, you'll go, basically, you'll go home with- God, you love me then, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're great, yeah. Now, now then, it's just like a couple comments. Yeah, so you, you you then go back and you revise the business plan and you send it to us again and we do the same thing. Now we only have 100 questions. and hundred. That's the only way I know how to understand your deal and then really extract- all the risks and all the information that I need to extract in order to put it into the documents. A lot of people, this is what drives me nuts, actually. A lot of these uh, sort of discount firms or whatever, they just kind of prepare PPMs. Like they never talk to the clients. They may send them a questionnaire and then suddenly, boom, they produce docs. And it's like, how do you know what to put in those docs? I mean, the purpose of the documents is to disclose all the material information to your investors, uh, make sure you disclose all the risks. And each deal is different. I don't care if it's the exact same not exactly, but if it's a building across the street from the last one you did, it's got its unique, unique risk. It's a unique loan. I mean, you've got to analyze and underwrite that particular deal, and you've got to be able to put those information in the PPM. So the only way I know to do that is basically pull it out of you. And through this right. process, going back and forth and asking you questions and revising and blah, 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 we finally get to what, what I call- That's going to give you a better business plan, by the way, yeah. right? Yeah. It really is. It's going to make- because. You're calling, you're asking the questions like, hey, what does this mean? I need some clarification. Put a bullet point here. Is this right. money going to you? Who's this money going to? You're yep. calling this income. So is it going to you? Is it the sponsors? Is it to and it's really about disclosure. It really is about disclosure and making it work. Yep. And so once that's done, which may take, it depends on how quickly clients turn it around. So that timeline will 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 sometimes like you and I again, you and I will probably get that thing done in a couple of days. But sometimes it takes a week or two because there's multiple revisions. But once that's done, that's when you can actually send that document to your prospects, to your potential investors. And that's when we start drafting all these legal docs, the PPM, et cetera. And we get those turned around in about a week. I actually like to commit to less than a week to get those drafts because I don't want, you know, I don't want you waiting on the attorneys. Right. While you so there's a, so that's a good, that's a good um, place to kind of just point out real quick is that once your business plan is, I call it certified by Mauricio. <laughs> I call it locked. Right. <laughs> right. So once it's locked, that means it doesn't change, by the way. Right. And it becomes the Bible that you're going to operate from there on uh, when you're out there pitching your deal. And so at that point, you can go share it because now he's saying, hey, this is it. We, it's approved. It's locked. You can go out there and start talking and having conversations about it. Mauricio is then going to make the legal documents behind it. So it's a good way to start. Now you can start, um, pe- the people that 
you have a substantive relationship with and have, you know, filled out your accredited investor questionnaire, things like that, you can now start pitching this to those people and, and fielding interest. And it's a great way because even if they say yes, we still don't even have the final docs yet, which is fine. And that's really, hey, listen, our docs are coming. And um, so it's a good way to get people to raise their hand. Yep. And, and I like to get people to raise their hand. That makes it so much easier. Um, and by the way, when you're raising capital, you have to get double the amount of hands raised for the amount of money you're going to collect. So if you're raising $2 million, go get $4 million for the pledges. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about that with a couple other people. Some people even squeeze up to three. So let's say like two to three. You know, so your experience too. Some people think it's three. Yeah, because especially first time again, I, I'm speaking to sort of the depends first- how many flakes you got, but we don't have <laughs> we don't have flakes in our group. But the, for first time syndicators, I think that's something that people underestimate how long it takes to collect the monies, and that's you know they think they've got all the soft commitments, but again, that they're going to someone say yes. Yes doesn't mean yes. Yes right. means no. That doesn't right. mean cash in the bank. And then the other thing that people forget, just, you know, if you're taking IRA monies, for example, that they may have to convert it from their Dude. 401k or IRA. They got to go to a self-direct. That takes two or three weeks just to get that process done sometimes. So yeah. those things you'll just learn after doing the first couple. Here's a good, here's a good point. Let's ask this. Let me ask you this question. When you close your deal, is the, is your raise done? Does it have to be done on the day you close? No, not necessarily, because you typically, you know, as long as, again, as long as we're disclosing that on the front end, you, you, you can certainly close as soon as you, you know, you're going to have enough money for the down payment and whatever you need to, to cover the close. But, you know, you have your fees and, and other, you know, maybe some reserves. And that's something that, you know, you can wait a little bit longer to continue the raise. So you can um, have some minimums, right? You, it depends on how you structure it. I mean, you, so, some, so we like, so I'll, yeah. tell, I'll tell you, like, we ask an attorney a question. It's all depends. Corey's going to give, I'm more like the dark side. I want to, I want to come in with like Mike, Darth Vader here. <laughs> I, so I'll, I'll say, and from my point of view is yeah. like, I think one of the easiest ways is I don't ever like put myself in a corner. I do like minimums, right? I like to say I have to raise the minimum of this to get my deal done. And that's, that's easier for me to say is like, I know it takes this much in order to affect my business plan. Anything less is going to, I'm not going to be able to sufficiently run my my project, right? Um, and then um, and then set a date. Like we just had this conversation. You don't know this probably with Jennifer, your uh, assistant. I know about. It. I know everything. Paralegal. Okay, so um, we set a date. I, I want to say like a year from the close date, just because we have arbitrarily maybe set a date. I'm like, okay, well, we'll just set it for a year past because you never know. Like sometimes you can get into a deal, and you know we'll have the minimum, but. Like you can back fund a deal, maybe it takes another three months after you close to get like your acquisition fee. Um, and, you know, maybe you've, you know, have a repair reserve that is pretty high. You over budgeted for your repairs just in case. Right. Yeah. And so and with those fees, because like we'll take $450,000 for the fees on a $10 million close. Well, that, you know, that's a lot of money. And maybe we have like we have a, a one deal we have a million dollar repair, so if I was to raise um, you know six hundred thousand dollars of that up front, so that together my fee plus another four that's a million bucks. So I could probably set my minimum um, you know a million dollars less so, so I can close and still affect my business plan and not worry and it's not going to change it and then still give myself some time to fund, and so. That's that's the like the reality of what really happens a lot of times when we're syndicating. Now I'd love to say 
the money always shows up and, and it like comes in like it's an overflowing bucket. Not my experience, right? Okay. Not yet. I, I, you know, every time I close deals, it's just like it's it's part of the process. You have to, and I think every syndicator, if they're truly honest, I guess there's some guys out there that they can turn on a switch and it just the bucket fills up. I, I've always had to make calls and 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 I work right, and you know that's just me, right? So that's my experience. Yeah. One one thing to keep in mind, just to, you know, I am the wet blanket. It gets person. easier. It gets easier though. Raising yeah. money does get easier. It definitely does. After you do the first, the first one's by far the hardest, right? But one thing to keep in mind is, is if you continue to raise after the close, just remember that you probably will, if you do it further down the road, you, you may have to start updating your documents because your documents at some point will become stale. You may even at some point have financials now that you didn't have before, you know, a quarter's worth of financials that you may have to now start providing the new people. And what we really need to be careful about is if those people are not accredited, you may have to be providing them with audited financial. So you, there's just other issues that pop up, but can you do it? Absolutely. I would I would recommend not going too far after the close because again, you, you don't want to have too much operations because then you've got to start updating docs. But certainly if you want to close, you know, close the property and then finish the raise in a couple of weeks or a month or something, no problem. Perfect. See, that's why I have Mercia. <laughs> <laughs> It's I give my long talk, version, about this and he's like, no, make it a lot shorter, Corey. <laughs> I, I want to I emphasize one thing that I, I like to emphasize is it's all about disclosures, right? So as long as we disclose, disclose, disclose everything on the front end so the investors know what they're getting into, you can really structure it almost any way you like. As long as it's disclosed and people are, are, know what they're getting into, you're going to be fine. It's when you do a certain thing and then later on you change it or you do something you did not disclose, that's when you're going to get into trouble. So as long as you disclose what the game plan is, you're good. There, so the, that is the name of the game in the PPM world and syndication world is disclosure, I think. So with that said, so if we know we've kind of established two, two rules of thumb for, you know, when do you contact Mauricio? A, if you don't have an attorney, by the way, an SEC attorney, I highly recommend that you get in touch with Mauricio and his his staff and his team. Um, first of all, I think he's really good. I mean, this is all he does is this space. Um, I'm giving you shameless plugs here, bro. I, brother. I'm going to shut up for a little bit. <laughs> uh, because, man, like in, in this world, like so it's a small world. It's the small world of who do you know, like, and trust. And and I've come to really um, – I consider you my friend, Mauricio. So when you're talking with attorneys – there are some attorneys who talk legal ease. Well, I'm for a better term, we'll call they can't talk English. They want to talk this high stuff that no one understands. Because when you look at the documents, it's written in a different language. Okay, that's not how Corey. Corey barely made it out of high school. <laughs> Corey needs to be able to talk with someone that can like talk normal. And I really want to just say. Uh, Mauricio has the ability to do both. He can talk um, legal, but he really has a way to communicate um, in a very normal way. And I think that's very special. Um, and you don't see that very often. When you find it, when you find someone that you can have a real conversation, that's a real human being, that's a family man that that lives life and um, and works his butt off, those are the people that you want to surround yourself with. And that's what I've chosen to do. So that's my shameless plug for you, brother. Keep going, Corey. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. And I, and I used to apologize for it, but I've come to realize that is one of the things I, I do well. And 
And, uh, you know, our dear friend, uh, Tom Wheelwright, coined the term for me, which is, uh, you know, Mauricio is one of the few lawyers that actually speaks English. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the things I try and do is educate clients and add value and educate them and try and not overcomplicate things and, and make it see. Now, I sometimes get into problems because everybody now thinks it's a simple and easy thing to do, which it's not. But it's not. Uh, I like to take the complex and make it simple. Yeah, it really is. And, and you just got to have and, and listen, you know, Mercy is not free. Okay, just so we understand this, right? <laughs> you got to pay him. <laughs> I pay him. So, you know, to have time with Mauricio, it's not like he's going to pick up the phone and say, hey, let's go have lots of, I mean, I just want to precurse everybody that you pay for attorney. You pay, there's a yin to the yang, right? The reason we are good, at, we do good, clean business. I know that when I engage Mauricio, I have to pay him money. And that's, that is our means of, uh, you know, we're friends regardless of money, but some people think that you can just, you work people for free forever. And I'm telling you, that's not the way to do good, clean business. When you want a good, good, clean business, you pay for the services. You pay for someone to educate you, whether, you know, it's the same way of buying someone's course. You want to learn how to do apartments, right? If you really want legal advice on, hey, how do I keep myself? Is my website clean? All those things. You pay for that. And, and you feel better because of it, and you'll get a better service than if you don't pay for it. Let's put it that way. Because right. things that are free are not always great for you. And the nice thing is, and, and, yeah, that's thank you. And the nice thing is that it, it does come out of the project. So you ultimately do get reimbursed from the project, um, which is a nice thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think I'm pretty competitive. And I know you are. I mean, I listen, I know you are. I'm just, I want to make a plug, because, <laughs> right? I mean, I just know how it is, right? So, because, you know, what does is, what is lawyers sell is time. It's really your time that's the most value. And for all of us, it's time, right? And Gavin, because, listen, do I ever want to put a PPM together? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no for all of Thank goodness, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be horrible at best. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I didn't spend all the time going to uh, become an, an attorney, going through all the school. Mauricio did, right? And so that's what—that's really what when you co- what comes down to. We barter each other's services. Um, he is a big part of my team, and um, and it's something. And it, and it's like it's so. It's not even. Uh, the, I guess the best way I'm going to try to describe it is when you have the right people on your team, and you don't need a lot of them. You need you need an attorney. You need a. a and a lender, and you know, you, you need a management company and some other people. I'm not going to name them all, but it's as simple as those are the ones you have in your cell phone. And it's like, hey, I've got a deal. We're going to do a deal, and like, and then it's game on. We may not talk until the next deal. I mean, now me and Rissa see each other a lot in speaking engagements, but until we're back into like, hey, we got a deal, we may go for a while without talking. That's how that's normal. That's the way it is. Because like I got to be respectful of Mauricio's time, right? Because he works a lot, dude. I mean, this guy. I don't know if you guys have like pay attention to social media, but Mauricio is an absolute animal. <laughs> you're out there making huge waves, bro. I want to. I want to tell you, and you're really uh, affecting the world out there by your education and letting people know all about syndication, what is good and what is not. And yeah. dude, for that, I think I- I'm thankful. Well, I appreciate that, and, and you, you may take those words back uh, in a few months because I'm going to be, you know, really upping the game there on the social media. So you'll be sick of me pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, congratulations! So listen, uh, for everybody listening, how would they get a hold of you, brother? 
you know, if you want to team at premierlawgroup.net, it's a great way to hold of me team at premierlawgroup.net. I also started a YouTube channel not too long ago. It's only a few videos up there, but if you just go to YouTube and type my name in, you'll find a couple of educational videos. I'd love to subscribe to again. Mauricio, Mauricio, Raul. And, uh, and I'll keep adding to that, uh, library and uh, just trying to add value as much value as I can. Dude, that I, I believe that is the key. Um, especially for all the new syndicators out there is you've got to know the education piece. The education piece is huge. And so, uh, when you got someone like you putting out that really good, solid content that, that you absolutely need to know, um, that's where it's at. So guys, check out Mauricio. Um, listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy it, hey, don't don't keep us a secret. Go out there and share it with the world. We're trying to really grow this thing. And by the way, um, if you have not yet, go to our podcast page, um, Multifamily Legacy Podcast. Um, ask questions. We're going to start answering when I do um, my own, not guest speakers, but when I have uh, when I'm doing my uh, own teaching uh, segments, we'll bring up those questions that you that you leave that you want to ask that we'll answer live on the show. So, guys, listen. The power of your mind is everything. It really is the difference between winning and losing is what you believe in your mind. Because if you believe it, you can achieve it, and your paradise is possible.